open up to 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to get started. So today, I want to talk about the subject of destiny. How many of you have, you feel like God has a destined plan for your life? Okay, the rest of you, hopefully you'll discover that today. My encouragement to you as we look at the Bible is that we would understand that the plan and the purpose that God has for our lives is wrapped up in Scripture. And the Lord has something very unique. And we're going to dive into this a little bit. But when we get started, I just want us to establish a foundation in the Scripture. When we approach the Bible and the preaching of the Word of God or Bible study or, or whatever way it is that you engage with Scripture... I want to refocus our attention on some really, really key things about the Bible. How many of you appreciate a senior pastor who puts great emphasis on you as an individual engaging with the Bible in your life? Amen. Amen. I was joking at the 9 a.m. service um, that in heaven, when Pastor Steve gets promoted one day in the distant future, many years from now, that there's going to be a special place in heaven for Pastor Steve and for all the pastors and people who encourage people to actually read the Bible for themselves. Seriously, I know it's, you think, well, that's a pastor's job to tell people to read their Bible. You know, it's a believer's job to encourage one another in the things of God. And I want to encourage you, the, the scriptures are rich. The Bible is rich and it's pertinent. It is relative to your life today. Unlike any other book compiled in human history, the Bible is the inspired word of God that is living and active and has this unique ability because of the work of the Holy Spirit as we actually read the Bible to speak to us right where we're at. Have you ever been to a church service, had a Bible reading time, listened to a sermon on the radio or a podcast, and when the message came across, you knew that's exactly what you needed to hear that day. Have you ever had that experience? Because God's word is alive. It's living. It's active. It's inspired. And the Lord, when we approach the word, we want to have a heart that's listening in a fresh way. And sometimes, you know, in our, the pursuit of our goal of reading the Bible, which I encourage you to do, we will sometimes miss the message because we're so goal-oriented. It's important that we actually slow down and we listen to what the Lord is emphasizing in our life as we engage with the Bible. Now, I think it's great. It's good to have goals. We need to have a goal to know the whole counsel of what the Bible says. That's really, really important. But in the process of pursuing the goal, allow the Lord to meet with you in your day-to-day -day exchange with him as you give yourself time in the word. In probably 15 minutes a day, if you, 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 even less than that really, for an average reader, 10 to 15 minutes a day, you would most likely be able to get through the Bible in a year. And your life will be better for it. Now in that process of that year of engaging with the word, listening to the Lord and, and what he would say to you. And I want to start off in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. It says this, all scripture. Now, in the original language, every once in a while in church, you'll hear a preacher or somebody say, in the Hebrew or the Greek. Have you ever heard a pastor say that before? 
So what they're trying to do when that is said is they're trying to capture what the original understanding and the original meaning was to who the letter was written to so that you really get the point that's trying to be made and how it's coming across. Does that make sense? So the word all in the Greek, I'm going to give you a Greek lesson right now. It means all, all. Turn to your neighbor and say all, all scripture. I'm going to emphasize it like five more times. All scripture, not some scripture, not just the passages of scripture that we like and make us feel good. And I'm thankful for those passages of scripture, but all scripture, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. In my message today, my prayer has been that you would be encouraged in your walk with the Lord, that you would be refreshed that you would find the message relevant and pertinent to your life where you are today, that somehow, by the grace of God, working through a broken guy like me, that you would some way hear your Heavenly Father speaking to you and that you would understand that and make some application to your life. You know, the Lord has a unique plan for each of us. I talked about this earlier, but it's just in the same way, you know, there's the uniqueness of, have you ever met a snowflake? You guys don't, it's like a trick question, right? Okay, so snowflakes are unique, right? Every snowflake, we had a lot of them this last year. Um, Too many in my opinion, but again, I need to trust God. Every one of those snowflakes, if you were to capture it and put it under a microscope and you look at that crystallized snow, is unique. There's only, the only one like it in the world that is the one that you're looking at at that moment. In a similar way, each of our lives, although we're all created by God, we are all made in the image of God, there's a unique, specific, custom-made, custom-designed plan for your life that is unlike any other person's life. Part of the reason for that is because when God works in an individual's heart or life, when they're yielded to Him, and they live out their destiny, and they live out their purpose, God's glorified through that. When someone does what they're supposed to do according to God's plan for their life. How many people know if you live your life that way, at the end of your life, Jesus is going to be reflected in a good way through your life. We're called representatives, ambassadors for the Lord. I want to rightly represent the Lord. Now, sometimes I do well at that. Other times, not so good. About a year ago, I'm going to talk a little bit later. I might as well do it now. I, um, I help coach Little League Baseball. And I work with Todd Brigham, the guy who runs the Compass Youth Center in Nikiski. Now, Todd is a saint. He's an amazing guy. He loves the youth. I was talking to him at baseball practice on Monday night, and I said, Todd, how did you come to be the director of the Compass Youth Center in Nikiski? And he said, well, actually, I was an engineer. I was working on the North Slope, and with one of my coworkers, I decided while we were at work, we were going to engage and read the New Testament in the course of time, we were working on the slope together. And so they started doing that and kind of holding each other accountable to the scripture reading and stuff like that. One of his personal times of reading the Bible, he got done reading or something like that. And in that moment, the Lord showed up in his office on the slope. How many are you thankful that sometimes God will show up in our lives? 
And the Lord shows up and meets him. And I'm not saying it was a physical manifestation of the Lord. But God's presence was evident in that office that day up on the North Slope. And the Lord called Todd to go and to set aside his career path and follow a call to reach the youth of Nikiski with the gospel of Jesus. Todd was broken before the Lord. He understood that there was a, he had a yes in his heart, but he knew God was calling him to do something specific. And so Todd's just a great community servant. If you see Todd out in the community, encourage him. So I'm talking about baseball. This whole idea that everybody gets a trophy is garbage, okay? We play to win. How many of you guys, you want to play to win, right? Thank you. Okay. And I'm like, let's play to win. And if you play your best and you apply yourself and, you know, there's a reward for that. And, uh, and so anyway, last year I'm helping coach Little League and Kenai. He spent a little bit of time with me. I'm an emotional person. I'm like, I can be kind of intense sometimes and my emotions. And we were having one of those baseball games. And, you know, sometimes you see these clips on Facebook and sometimes the parents and it gets a little bit rough sometimes you see it actually shouldn't be this way right but it was really intense and so we had a very controversial moment in a little league game and I lost sense of where I was and who I was at that time and I got into quite the argument with the opposing team's coach and it was really intense. I mean, it was so intense. People were trying to get me to settle down, and I didn't even know they were trying to get me to settle down. Because so I, I was so wrapped up in making my point. Todd was one of these guys behind me tapping me on the shoulder, telling me to chill out a little bit. And I didn't even realize he was doing that. And when it was all said and done, I felt terrible. I lost my cool. And I told them promptly, I'm a pastor at the Baptist church. And remarkably, God did a miracle, and our attendance was up the next Sunday here at Kenai New Life. (laughs) That's not true. I didn't say that. I did lose my cool, and I did feel bad about that, but there wasn't a lot of redemption beyond that point. So anyway, it was just one of those things. But I'm with Todd, and I'm spending time with Todd, and I'm thinking about his life and how he just said yes to Jesus, whatever it is. And I'm not, when I talk about destiny, I'm not telling you that in order to be useful to God, you have to be a, 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 a minister in this sense, that you have to be a pastor or an evangelist or a missionary. The Lord wants to utilize you to make an impact where you are in the world and what station of life he's called you to. The point I want to make is that God has a very specific and unique plan to your life that no one else was designed to fulfill, but you were designed to fulfill it. And I know that begs a lot of questions because some of us as I look around the room, we're different seasons of life, and you might think, well, now we're having that conversa- this conversation, and what about the years I've wasted? What about mistakes I've made or places where I have fallen short in my life? And I want you to know, we serve a great God who's an amazing redeemer, and he's able to take what's been lost and redeem it and catch us up into his plan and his story that he has planned for our lives if we'll just today Make the choice to say yes to him and what he wants to do in our life. Amen? All right. I'm going to focus on a couple of stories in the Old Testament of unique individuals being called of the Lord. And then I want to make some application to our lives. So continuing on in Scripture, if you would open your Bible or turn to Exodus chapter 3. I'm going to talk about a guy 
that you may have heard a thing or two about over the years. A gentleman by the name of Moses. Has anybody ever heard of Moses in the Bible? Great study on biblical leadership is the life of Moses. Moses was an incredible leader that was used mightily of the Lord. God certainly had a plan for Moses' life. Now at the same time, Moses had some great issues in his life. He had a temper. If he was a little league dad, he would have been right next to me arguing that day on the ball field with the call he didn't like. But Moses and his relationship with the Lord, he had a foundation. He had a beginning point when the Lord began to speak to him and to call him and to get his attention. And I want to pick that up in this story. And so in, we read in Exodus chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, it says, Now Moses was pasturing the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of the bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, and yet the bush was not consumed. So Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight, why the bush is not burned up. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Some theologians believe that in this story of the burning bush, that the bush actually had been burning for quite some time. And it eventually got Moses' attention. And scripture says that when Moses turned to look at this thing that was unusual, that's when the Lord spoke to him. And I think one of the takeaways on this story for you and I is that we would take time to slow down and pay attention to what's going on in our life because the Lord is speaking. Great book I read. I've read it twice, actually. I don't usually reread books except for my Bible. But this book is by the former guy who was the National Youth Director of the Assemblies of God. His name's Heath Admonson. And the name of the book is The Bush Still Burns. And the idea in the book is this, is that our world is full of the divine and God is trying to get our attention to speak to us because he has something he wants to do in and through our lives. And I think it's super important that if we have a heart and we're sincere and we're concerned about really what God's will and plan is for our lives, that we would have a heart to slow down and listen and to pay attention to whatever it is in whatever way the Lord is trying to speak to us. You know, the Lord will speak to us lots of ways. Now, you and I know we have the Bible. The primary way that the Lord will speak to you and I is through the Scriptures. There's nothing that's going to replace the Word of God. The Bible itself says this is our more certain word of prophecy, this Bible that we have. And so that's really, really important. But there are unique, specific details that are relative to your life exclusively that the Lord wants to use to call you and to develop you into the person that he's made you to be. You've got to recognize the different ways that the Lord will speak to you. Now, the Lord will speak to us through a dream. He'll speak to us through circumstances. There'll be a confirming element to something that takes place in our life. The Lord will give us an impression, you know, and when I'm talking about destiny, I'm talking about, you know, the big idea of the big plan for your life, but I'm also talking about what is your destined purpose today? Who is it today that the Lord wants you to engage with? Who is it that he wants you to pray for? What is it that he wants you to do? Is there somewhere he's telling you to go today? 
those types of things in the in the kind of the micro level of life the right now my wife says this to me when I'm distracted which never happens and she says Scott wherever you are be all there she's saying Scott pay attention to what's going on pay attention to the the conversation that you're having with the kids pay attention to the circumstances of your life because God is some many times is wanting to communicate something to us something that we have to slow down and pay attention to if we pay attention that way and we you'll find yourself if you have an open heart you'll end up lingering sometimes in conversation with another person that maybe the Lord's wanting to do something in conversation with that other person and if you if you're not in a rush to move on and just take a little bit of time to develop, maybe you'll find yourself in a situation where, wow, I'm like smack dab today in this moment in the center of God's plan for my life because he wanted me to talk to this person. In some way, somehow, I made a connect with them and I was able to encourage them and point them to the Lord or maybe pray for them or something like that. I love the fact that God is still speaking today. We had a missionary that was with us last week who ministers to the homeless in Anchorage He's talking about what God is doing today on the streets of Anchorage, that type of thing. And I love that God reaches out to a broken world that is hurting, and he wants to bring them hope and healing and, and restore them and give them a hope for a future. Next, the next Bible character in the Old Testament I want to focus on is a guy named Samuel. Now Samuel was a major prophet in the Old Testament in the sense that God used him very, very specifically and a key time, really kind of a dark time in the nation of Israel's history as they were struggling with obeying as a nation, following the Lord's plan and purpose for them as a people group, God raised up this person, Samuel, and he started in his life as a young boy. And in 1 Samuel chapter 3, beginning at verse 1, it says this, Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days visions were infrequent it happened at that time as Eli was laying down in this place now his eyesight had begun to grow dim and he could not see well verse 3 and the lamp of God had not yet gone out and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was and the Lord called Samuel and he said here I am how many of us will say Lord here I am you don't know what your yes to the Lord will lead to in your life. This is just super vital for us is to have a yes in our heart to the Lord. That great promise in Jeremiah 29, 11, you're familiar with it. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to give you a hope and a future, plans to prosper you and not plans to harm you. How many of you are familiar with that passage I just quoted? You know what the context of that passage was? The children of Israel had been disobedient to the Lord, and as a nation, they had been carried off into Babylonian captivity, and they were exiled from their homeland. And while they were experiencing a season of judgment, because they had gotten away from God, the Lord broke in with this prophetic promise in their life, saying, I want to restore you, and I see the beginning from the end, and I know it's dark right now, but I want you to know, as your creator and your Lord, I have plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. You guys, our world needs hope. Desperately needs hope. 
There is a generation of people, young people, that are lost and they need hope. And they need somebody to come alongside them and love on them and befriend them and speak hope into their lives and be a light to them. It's so easy right now for us to fall into that place of just, you know, our world is struggling and we can just, man, it's, it just seems so dark sometimes. But you know what? The gospel hasn't changed. The message hasn't changed. There's still hope today. There's still hope for today. Amen. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says this. And I want to, before I, I read this, I want to encourage you, if you haven't maybe learned the Lord's Prayer, memorize the Lord's Prayer. It's Matthew 6, 9 through 13. I'm not going to read it all today, but it's a great template for you to bring into your prayer time. When I say prayer time, I don't want to over-formalize it, but we can talk to God anywhere, okay? We can talk to God when we're driving in the car down the road or when I don't like the call at the baseball field. I can talk to God at that moment. But in the beginning of the day, my pattern in my personal life is, is I like to get up and I brew some coffee. Thank God for coffee. How many coffee drinkers in the house? And, and I drink my cup of coffee and I'll sit down and I read the Bible. Sometimes I'll linger a little bit and I'll have a little prayer time. And I'll just talk to the Lord about what's on my heart. Sometimes I don't know where to start. I have so much going on in my life, just like you. Life is kind of crazy. We don't know which, I mean, to pray, yes. Can I pray for you? Yes. How, how can I pray for you? I don't know. Just pray. There's so much going on in our world and our personal lives. But sometimes I'll just go back and I'll just start to re recite the Lord's Prayer. And while I'm praying the Lord's Prayer to the Lord, I'll pause. If there's a phrase in the Lord's Prayer that speaks to me or I just I feel some emphasis on I'll just take time and I'll just kind of expand on that thought at that moment today I you know I, I had the message all prepared and this morning I got up and I was just taking some time with the Lord and knowing I was going to be standing before you and have the honor of sharing the message this morning and I'm like Lord would you help me I need help how many of you guys if you were in the pulpit you would be praying too right I was thinking about Pastor Steve. He's this September, I believe it is. He will be celebrate his 35th anniversary as being he and Jolene, the senior pastors of Kenai New Life, for 35 years. Is that right? September, October, 30. Listen to this. I get to do this every once in a while. It is an honor. 35 years. Every Sunday, before praying, asking the Lord, God, what's on your heart? What do you want me to share? And then taking time throughout the week to pray and to prepare a message. Which, you, you, you believe me, you want people that fill the pulpit of a church to have a prepared message. And to be ready. And I, I just honor that. Because I've done this a few times and I feel the weight and responsibility of it. I mean, the fact that you aren't bald is a miracle. Because the responsibility, <laughs> it's made me bald, bald and I'm younger than you. It's a great responsibility, and you feel the weight of it. And so what do we do when we feel, the scripture says, when we feel anxious, what are we supposed to do? It says the moment, you, the moment you feel unsettled, the moment you start to feel anxiety in your life, hit the pause button. That's a signal. The Lord wants to move. The signal is, let's pray. Lord, would you help me? What's on your heart? Would you, would you guide me today? Help me with that conversation with my son or daughter. Or, Lord, I've got this situation going on. Would you help me? In the name of Jesus, amen. God's listening. It doesn't have to be an hour-long prayer meeting. It can be a five-second prayer in the car. I'm telling you, 
most of the planet, the people on the planet, the majority of the people, although they are loved by God and created in the image of God, most people aren't talking to God. And when you and I take time to talk to God, I assure you, he is listening because he cares and his heart is directed towards those who believe. Amen. Matthew 6, 9 and 10 says this, pray then in this way, our father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your destiny is wrapped up in that verse. The plan for your life, it's not even your plan. It's God's plan for your life. It's not even your destiny. It's God's destined plan for your life. And when we pray and we ask the Lord, God, in my life, in my family, in my relationships, Lord, I want your kingdom to come. I don't want to do it my way. I want you to sit on the throne of my heart. There's only going to be one in charge, and I don't like my own leadership. I would rather Jesus is a better leader. Amen? Can we trust his leadership in our lives? Can we trust his lordship that God actually has our best interest at heart? He's deeply concerned for us. He's deeply concerned about us. And honestly, if we were honest with ourselves, the Lord wants to do his will in our lives more than we do. So when we take time and consider, hey, there's a plan, we need to just humble ourselves in that moment and say, Lord, I want your will to be done. This morning, while I was praying, this verse, your kingdom come, your will be done, just, it stood out to me. And it was like the Lord was saying to me, Scott, it's not about your will. It's my will. I have a destiny. I have a plan for your life. You need to trust and obey, whatever that is. But if you pray and obey, I will fulfill the destined purpose that I have for your life. It's not complicated. And sometimes I think we make this really, really complicated. But it's not complicated. Our destiny is designed and planned by God so in a real sense, the destiny that you and I are talking about is the Lord's plan for our life. God is passionate. You know, the last thing God is is boring. I mean, I don't think heaven's going to be boring. I think heaven's going to probably be really intense, and it's going to be loud. But we won't have hearing issues. God has a burning heart. His heart burns for people. When you experience God's love for you and God's care and concern for you and other people in your world, you kind of step into a little bit of that sense of passion and desire that moves the heart of God. In the book of Revelation, Jesus has eyes of burning fire. That's pretty intense, right? I mean, the Lord can be really intense. He's very, very passionate. And so when we think about God's passion and his plan, passion is something that gets our attention. When you hear somebody that's passionate or you see an athlete that's very passionate about their sport or somebody's very passionate about their dream or the vision that they're pursuing in their life, it gets your attention because it consumes them. And God is consumed with a plan for our lives and he wants to fulfill it and he does it through the grace of God in our lives. Ephesians 2.10 says this, it says, for we are his workmanship, remember that Psalm and the 139th Psalm says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. The Lord knit us together in our mother's womb. Aren't you thankful that God formed your body? God knit you together. He ordained all the days of your life before you lived one of them. He's got a plan and a purpose for your life. It says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, 
which God prepared beforehand so that we could walk in them. God's already got a plan for our lives. Our job is to pray and obey. And when we do that, we will fulfill the destined purpose of our lives. In Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, the prophet Isaiah had his own experience with the Lord where he was called by the Lord. In verse 8, it says this, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. Do you see the pattern in the Old Testament? The pattern was the Lord would show up in somebody's life, they would have an experience, he would tap on the door of their heart, he would, he would somehow draw their attention to him, and these people are before the Lord, and God's obviously speaking, and the right response is, here I am, Lord. My life is not my own. How, you know that? Our life is not our own. We are not the captain of our own ship. We are redeemed, blood-bought children of God. If you are born again today in this church, and you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your life is not your own. You and I, we belong to our Creator. We were made by him for him. We exist at his pleasure for his will. And if we will give ourselves to that, you will find the marvel of discovering the purpose and plan for your life. Whatever it is, you might be, whatever it might be. You might be a medical professional, a teacher. You might be an oil field engineer. You might be an administrator or a financial advisor, a fishing guide. God bless the fishing guides. You might be a janitor, a pilot, a musician, a counselor, which I need one. You may be a missionary, a bookkeeper, a mom, or a dad. Whatever that is, there's a specific calling for your life. And you may fall into multiple categories that I just listed. It's very important that when you and I think about our destiny, we, that we don't overthink about other people's destinies. That we think about what God's plan is for our lives. And we shouldn't compare ourselves. Scripture warns that we don't compare ourselves among ourselves. Because when we do that, that's not wise. Because we're all unique, we're all different, God's got a specific course chartered for each of our lives, and when we look at other people, we take our eye off the ball. Here's another baseball story. When I was about eight years old, I grew up in New Orleans, an inner city kid playing inner city baseball, which I was a terrible baseball player. I went the entire season and didn't get a hit. It was terrible. But you know what? The reason why I didn't get a hit is I never was taught to put my eye on the ball. We have to keep our eye on the ball. Man, that preaches to so many things about life and this journey that you and I are on. We need to keep the main thing the main thing. We need to keep our eye on the ball. Keep our eye on the Lord. Keep our eye on God's plan and purpose that he has for our lives. Now... I'm saving the hardest part of the message for last. And then if it gets too complex, Pastor Steve is going to come and sort this out for us today. Thank you, Pastor Steve. When we think about our destiny, and we need to value God's plan for our life, and not to treat it like a trite thing that I hope I do God's will in my life, we need to take it seriously. Because we will give an account for our lives before the Lord. And it should sober us. And the safest place, if I haven't said it already, I think I said it at the 9 a.m., the safest place for you and I is to be in the center of God's will for our life. Because that's what you were made to do. You were made to do God's will. God has that plan and that purpose for your life. 
the things that get in the way of God's will for our life are many times just choices that you and I make. What we do with our time, what we do with our money, what we do with our resources will either help to facilitate God's plan for our life or detract away from it. You know, time is life. Your life at the end of this life that we live in right now will be summed up by what you did with your time. And that should sober us because time is life. You know, money gives us power to do certain things. But at the end of the day, if you had to choose between one or the other, if it was money or time, what would you choose? You know, the other day when I didn't have any cash in my wallet, I was thinking I'd be money. But the reality is, is the older we get in life, we start to recognize that some things are just more valuable than others. And our time that you and I are granted, which we don't know, we're not guaranteed tomorrow right now, but the time that we are given is extremely valuable. And so what we do with our time is huge. It's very, very important. Relationships matter. You might be broke, it's no joke. You don't have two dimes to rub together. But you can have relationship with somebody. You can invest in another person's life. You can invest in your family. You can invest in your marriage. You can invest in your relationship with your children or your grandchildren. The only thing that you and I are going to bring to heaven with us is our relationships. We will not bring our money to heaven. Jesus doesn't need our money in heaven. He's already prepared a place for us. But there's things that you and I can do that will detract or promote or help facilitate God's destined plan for our lives. And I want to share this difficult passage with you because it needs to sober us, the fact that we can get in the way of God's plan for our lives. And the Lord will deal with us so that he can put us back on the track of what he wants to do. I spoke earlier of Moses. I'm going to talk about the story of Moses a little bit more, a different part of his life journey. After Moses was called by the Lord... God had spoken to him to go back to Egypt. He was raised in Egypt, and at about 40 years old, he chose no longer to live in Pharaoh's household and decided that he was going to go check on his Hebrew brothers. Read the Exodus story. It's one of the most fascinating stories in all of Scripture, and you need to read the account of the Hebrew children that were in Egypt. It's incredible. They were oppressed, and they were mistreated, and... God raised up this man, Moses, and Moses had to flee for a period of time, for about 40 years, as a matter of fact. I'm not going to get into the details of that, but you need to go research it for yourself. And then God begins to call him back. It began at the burning bush, and now the story goes a little bit deeper. In Exodus chapter 4, verse 19, it says, Now the Lord said to Moses and Midian, Go back to Egypt, for all of the men who were seeking your life are dead. So Moses took his wife and his sons and mounted them on a donkey and returned to the land of Egypt. And Moses also took the staff of God in his hand. The Lord said to Moses, when you go back to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders which I have put in your power. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord Israel, thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. So I said to you, let my son go that he may serve me, but you have refused to let him go. Behold, I will kill your son, your firstborn. How many know that's an intense passage of scripture? All scripture is God-breathed, even the passages that make us very uncomfortable. 
And we need to let the weight of that, we need to consider the weight of that. So God tells Moses, I want you to go back and I want you to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. On the way, while he's on this journey, Moses has an encounter with the Lord that was terrible. It was dreadful. He had a dreadful experience with the Lord. But it was linked in Moses' obedience and where he was not following through with what God was asking him to do as a leader. Now, in the book of Genesis, we read the account of God's experience with Abraham and the Lord established for the Jewish male children, the Hebrew male children, he established this covenant of relationship called circumcision. You guys familiar with that, right? This is why I needed prayer. This was going to be a difficult subject today. So God establishes the covenant of circumcision with the, the Hebrews. And this is a sign that you are different than all the other people on the earth. This means this represents the fact that you are my people. I'm in covenant relationship with you. And so God established this. And so Moses, who was a Jew, he was Hebrew, is being called by God to go back to Pharaoh to begin the process of the Exodus story. And while he's on the way, he has a dreadful encounter with the Lord. And we can pick that up here in verse 24. It says, Now it came about at the lodging place on the way that the Lord met him and sought to put him to death. Then Zipporah, his wife, took a flint and cut off her son's foreskin and threw it at Moses' feet. And she said, You are indeed a bridegroom of blood to me. So he let him alone. At that time, she said, you are a bridegroom of blood because of circumcision. The Lord had a major issue with Moses because his household was not walking according to God's plan. And the Lord took this covenant very seriously. And it was as if the Lord was saying, Moses, I've got a destined plan and purpose for your life. I want to raise you up to be a deliverer of the children of Israel out of Egypt in these 430 years of bondage and cruel oppression. But before you can fulfill your destiny, you need to get your household in order and your son needs to be circumcised. You're not going to go be a compromising leader before me and before Pharaoh if your own household isn't right. And so this dreadful experience happened. And God dealt with Moses and we read the account. And then the Lord went on his way, and Moses went on his way, and began to fulfill his destiny once again. I want to tell you, in our lives, the issue of obedience before the Lord will determine whether or not we fulfill God's plan for our lives. The message today is not about circumcision. That's not, we're under a new covenant in Jesus. How many of you are thankful for Jesus? It's not the point of the message today. The point of the message is today, today is this, is that if you and I will live yielded, surrendered hearts to God in whatever it is he's asking you and I to do in our lives, whatever it is, we will actually fulfill God's plan for our lives. Our destiny is wrapped up in our obedience. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up right now. While they're coming, I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 66, please. You guys doing Okay. I hope this message gives you something to think about in your life and to consider. I want to do God's will. As a father, I want to do God's will. As a husband, I want to do God's will. As a disciple of Jesus, I want to do God's will. 
as a minister, I want to do God's will. I don't always do it. Sometimes I take my eye off the ball. You know what? And there's grace. God forgives us. But I still want to hold it serious in my life. I want to value it. In Isaiah chapter 66, verse 2, it says this. For my hand, the Lord speaking through the prophet Isaiah, my hand made all these things. Thus all these things came into being, declares the Lord. But to this one I will look. To him who is humble and contrite in spirit and who trembles at my word. What is Isaiah saying? We need to take God speaking to us seriously in our lives. It's not optional. If we're disciples, Jesus said that if you want to follow me, you need to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. You guys read that in the Bible somewhere? And so this is really important for you and I, that we take God's word seriously in our lives. It's not just something that we endear as, you know, apart from our responsibility to actually following through with whatever it is. It may be that today the Lord's just trying to encourage you in the little things of your life. The Sermon on the Mount stuff. You know, that, that type of thing. If somebody offends you, you know, they slap you on one cheek, turn, give them the other cheek. You know, that type of thing. Whatever it is. Or maybe an issue of forgiveness. But whatever it is, you want to live in a place of obedience before the Lord. The Apostle Paul, when he got to the end of his life, he was arrested. We know that he was martyred at the end of his life. But while he was on trial, as a prisoner, he was faithful to Jesus. May you and I, if we go through difficult, unfair, unjust circumstances in our life, may we still remain faithful to Jesus. When it's really hard and we're all alone and we feel like nobody's around us, may we still be faithful to Jesus. I mean, I thank God for the encouragement of the believers. But sometimes you may find yourself in a situation, you're all alone. It's you and the Lord. But I want you to know this. You and the Lord are a majority. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You and the Lord are a majority. And the Apostle Paul, as a prisoner, is giving a defense of the gospel and why he is in chains. And he says in Acts 26, 19, to King Agrippa. You can read about this in Acts. And he says, so King Agrippa, I did not prove disobedient to the heavenly vision. Paul is saying, the thing that God showed me and told me to do, I have been faithful with it. I am following through with what I believe God has called me to do in my personal life. May that be true of us. And then at the end, the very end of the Apostle Paul's life, before he was to be martyred, he wrote a letter to Timothy, one of the young men that he had mentored in ministry and life. And he said in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, he says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the course, I have kept the faith. May we keep the faith. Our obedience and our trust in God are all linked into our faith in Him. As we just take a little bit of time and reflect on the message, I, f I feel like it's appropriate that we respond to the preaching of the Word in some capacity. And... If you feel challenged today to like, you're maybe in a spot where you've been a long time in really just considering what is the purpose of my life and what is it all about. Today, maybe the message challenged you and you're like, man, I, I want to re-engage with God's plan for my life. Or maybe you've never thought seriously about engaging with God's plan for your life. If that's you, you just want to engage with God's plan for your life. So Lord, 
We thank you for your word, and we thank you for the calling that we find in your word to yourself. Lord, our primary calling is to our relationship with you and your plans and your purposes for our life. And Lord, I ask you to work in our hearts in such a way that we would take seriously that you have a plan and you've got a purpose for our lives and that we would be yielded to that. We would be like Jesus and we would say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Lord, you have paid the greatest price for our redemption and we honor that. We honor the sacrifice of Jesus for our sins to die on the cross and our right response to you is to say thank you and Lord to say how may I serve you what can I do what would you have me to do with my life and so Lord I pray that Lord for those that have dreamt in the past that their dreams have kind of dusted over Lord I pray that Lord you would blow the dust off those dreams and you would begin to stir by your Holy Spirit again according to your plan and your purpose for their lives Lord, those that are here who have never considered that you would have a plan for their lives. God, I ask you to make it abundantly clear to them the path that you want them to take, the decisions that ne they need to make in their life, Lord, to get in step with what you've called them to do. Lord, we know that Satan comes against these things. But Lord, we know that as we cling to you and we lean on you and we acknowledge you in all of our ways, that Lord, you will direct our steps and you will see us through. Lord, to the other side. And so, God, I bless your people. Lord, I pray that they would go in courage and strength today. They would go with a soberness of mind and heart to do your will. And, Lord, I bless your people today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.